I've said, you know, small things done consistently in strategic places create major results. So find some small things to start doing and they become consistently part of what you do produces huge results as opposed to necessarily one big thing that's going to produce some everlasting result. Kind of two sides of that coin. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you, hear their struggles, and then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. This second conversation with David Allen, you'll hear it starts almost mid-sentence. The reason is that he and I were talking about sailing, partly because there was an event in Europe that he mentioned, and that led me as someone who is avoiding flying to think of how to get across the Atlantic. And I'd been thinking about sailing for a while and I really wanted to talk to him and we were really enjoying talking about sailing because he sailed a bunch. So I just hit record mid-sentence for him. I indulged, I hope you don't mind, in something that I've been doing lately as a big project to make my life richer and fuller without the flying, or I should say without the pollution that flying causes. As someone who started off with you know, avoiding food packaging and it's led one thing after another to increasingly doing things that are more in tune with my values, getting across the Atlantic and maybe one day the Pacific without fossil fuels, or you, know, you have to make the boat, but then you power the boat by wind. It's, I wanted to get out how much I'm enjoying this process of the discovery and the culture and the, and the adventure and things like that. So there's that. Also, when he talks about his being more knowledgeable and more aware and more conscious about fish, that he discounts what he did. The actual practice of eating less fish is something he concluded was right for him. He downplays it, but I think it's pretty significant. I think he downplays it partly because he's done so much growth work on himself that this isn't as big as some of the things he's done before, but I think it's still pretty significant. Anyway, let's listen to David. I was taking lessons from there. His, his little sailing school was right next to the Catalina uh, showroom. And Catalina had just come out with their 42-foot uh, sailboat, brand new. So they had one sitting there. And he said, by the way, you know, I know the guy there. You want to take a, you want to have a lesson on a Catalina 42? I said, oh, wow, really cool. Because my plan, when I thought, was to get, you know, go ahead and get a boat like a 26 or 28 or, you know, some, some reasonably, you know, small-sized boat. And then kind of really learn how to do all that and, you know, in that size boat before I tried to get something that would be sort of seaworthy, you know, and ocean worthy. But I went out on the boat and it was so fun and it was so great. And, and the Catalinas were, were then, the, they were building them so they were much more user-friendly in terms of shorthand sailing. So you could actually sail that by yourself if you got really good, you know, a 42 foot. So that's really cool. So I jumped way ahead. So my first sailboat was a 42 foot Catalina. Wow. You know, I had like number, I had sail number 62 or something, you know, so it was one of the first off the, off the rails in, in the Catalina store. And that's what I learned to sail. And that's how I sailed was on a Catalina 42. And I sailed it by myself, you know, at least a few times. Uh, and it was interesting, you know, fascinating. 
You said the original goal was to sail around the world. Have you sailed across an ocean? Once I got familiar enough with it, I realized that, you know, because I was going to I was going to live on the boat. I was going to set up the boat so I could do it and whatever. But I was still doing so much business travel then. And, and, and just my business wardrobe wouldn't fit inside a sailboat, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so that was a little clunky and un- it would have been unwieldy at the time. And then, you know, once you get good at it, I realized, well, wait a minute. It's actually much cooler to fly to Bora Bora and rent a sailboat there mm-hmm. than it is to try to sail to Bora Bora. You know, so if you really wanted to, you know, so have fun sailing, but sailing around the world, I mean, you could have done that, but I, that probably wouldn't have been the best boat to try to be seaworthy because Catalina was really more for a little lighter, lighter weather, you know, lighter seas kind of sailing, and, you know, not so much, not so much heavy weather. Uh, no, you could, you could, you could still do it, but uh, yeah, no, it was a fascinating world to, to step into. You know, the funny thing, Joshua, the, the, one of the most interesting things was I didn't realize, by the way, the first time you go out and your depth meter can't register because it's so deep is a strange psychological event. Yeah. Oh, my God. Suddenly, I mean, you, you come on, you'll drown in nine feet of water. But when it's 900 feet, there's just something different that happens, you know, when you're sitting on top yeah. of that, that sort of dark, deep void beneath you. you know, there, there's a very, you know, that's why there's subject of, you know, books and literature forever you know, about sailing in water and all that stuff. And I also didn't realize as I b- became more and more comfortable that I actually could sail, you know, by myself out there in blue, in blue water. Uh, it was interesting that I, when I was flying over the ocean, I realized how much, le- I didn't realize how much fear of the ocean that I had until I got rid of it. Most people actually have this strange unconscious fear of the ocean. But you don't realize you have it until you get rid of it. Much like when I got a black belt in karate, I didn't realize how much fear you had of, of stronger people around you until you get rid of it. You know, so yeah. it, it, that was a fascinating event that, that happened you know, in the process. You know, I, first I have to mention, I, you may have noticed that I started recording. And we can delete this part if, if you don't want to have it in. The reason I'm recording this partly is, you know, my sailing. The reason this is coming up is that I, I mentioned to you so that listeners can hear is that uh, I mentioned to you how I took sailing lessons. And part of it is to be able to go to Europe next summer uh, to attend an event that you talked about. And a big thing for me is not flying. I mean, a big thing for me is, is like, how do I get to Europe if I'm not flying? It's pretty hard without a boat. And sailing, I prefer sailing to taking like a cruise ship or something like fossil fuel based. And a reason why a lot of people like flying is because they like adventure. They like to travel and get th- make things happen. And I'm finding that the constraint of not flying only forces on me taking on new challenges and sailing is one of them. And what I found is that one, there's being out on the water. I've only been out on the water two days where I've been like, you know, trimming sails and, and, you know, watching for luff and stuff like that. It's only a couple of days, but first of all, I'm out on the New York city Harbor and that's like, it's only a couple hundred yards from where I live. I mean, I'm a mile away from where I live and it's as different a world as other places so one, I'm getting adventure. Then there's this whole culture of sailors, sailors, which is totally international and global. And then there's all this community of, so culture is as one thing and community is another. And I'm having conversations like this with you, with lots of people. I was just talking to this guy yesterday who's a documentary filmmaker uh, with this amazing movie called Albatross. And he was talking about sailing and how one of the things that really struck me was, he said, uh, 
for a day or maybe more, there was just no wind at all out in the middle of the Pacific, which I thought Pacific, bigger ocean, deeper means like bigger waves. He said for some time, it was like totally clear. And they just took down the sails because there's no wind and they could just look all the way down. They could, as far as they could see, no waves at all. I'd never heard of anything like that. And so people, myself as well, before I did it, are like, must fly. But I think that's a description, not of reality, but a description of the system that one buys into. And when you exit the system, it's not so necessary. And man, I'm getting amazing. It's like this discovery after discovery after discovery of people and sailing and things like that. Sure. Oh, no. Marina blue is uh, one of my favorite colors. And hearing the snap of the halyards and the, and the, and the sound of the seagulls, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of the reasons I actually didn't set up the boat for, for living on it was that 90% of the people in the, I was at my boat was in Marina del Rey. 90% of the people who lived on their boats never sailed them. They just lived on them. You know, that was just like a, like a houseboat in, mm-hmm. in Amsterdam. You know, so you, you, you don't take the boat out, you just live on it. And so I said, well, that, that's kind of no fun, you know, just, just to do that. Also, yeah. another reason not to live on it is if you actually went sailing, you'd have to batten everything down. So, mm-hmm. you know, because. <laughs> oh, and they've been living that way for so long. They don't want to like. Yeah, they just, you know, so they just you know had cocktails at four o'clock in the afternoon sitting out on their boat, you know, enjoying Marina Blue and the, the snap of the halyards, you know, the wind <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the sound of the seagulls, you know, and people passing by in their boat cheering each other, you know, cheers. You know. I've been watching. It's quite a culture, yeah. I've been watching a bunch of videos just to see what's out there. People, I just searched on like crossing the Atlantic, crossing the Pacific to watch. And there's a lot. It also feels, you know, it's definitely like a flow activity. It's definitely an activity that you can take to any level of mastery. Because a lot of times when I get into something, I'm like, I want to see what level of mastery I can reach. And as you were saying before, to be a skipper with everyone relying on you to be ultimately responsible. I'm like, do I want that? I'm not sure how much to what level I want to go if I go across the Atlantic Next summer, that's not, I, I don't have nearly enough time, I don't think, to learn to become a skipper to cro- for a transatlantic crossing. But to help out and be not dead weight, I think we'll see if I'm able to do that. But I don't know if I want that kind of responsibility. But may, who knows? I ju- I'm just getting started. Understood. Now, over your left shoulder. Na- na- oh. nature, w- nature will win out. Oh, by yeah. The way. I can't imagine what it was like. Now you can see storms coming from farther away, although they're still going to get you. But I can't imagine what it was like before. Just sometimes they're going to get you. And you then when I see the lightning and the storms and the waves, I'm like, wow, that looks incredible. I don't know if it's amazing or awesome or scary and horrible. No, I'm, I'm you know, totally impressed over here in Europe. You know, I, Catherine and I went down, we're in Portugal just for uh, last year, just for a little bit of a mini vacation. And we went out to the, out to the westernmost the westernmost part of the European continent is right there on the sort of southwest of, of Lisbon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was the jumping off place. That was the last land anybody saw oh, when yeah. they went out of those, in those boats in 1492 or 1500. Can you imagine? It's like, oh, my God, we're sailing off into the void. No idea in those funky yeah. things. It's like, wow, sort of raised my uh, appreciation of the the risks people were willing to take. Of course, life was just so shitty. They <laughs> it was like, why not? You know. <laughs> Plus, there are riches to be had in, I guess, India and China as they expected to get to. Yeah, and so this discovery is like you don't have to. I don't. The airplane isn't so necessary for it. Oh, that's just me. I also see that behind you are paintings. I believe that you've created, 
And one of them is looks like a shining, glowing, bioluminescent uh, path. Oh, no, that's just the, the reflection of... That was, I painted that from a picture I took off the coast of Ireland. So I feel like the ocean is still something... Wait, the one on the other side of you? Sorry, the people listening, they can't... There's a sunset or sunrise. Yeah, that's kind of lower sun on the western uh, coast of Ireland. What about to the right of that? Between that one and the books? Uh, other right? That's... Um, the yellow. That's uh, on a poem I wrote, A Moment Is Coming Toward You. Uh, so it was really about a dream that I had and an experience I had on the other side, really, which of that we're all part of the, this flow, all going in the same direction to the same thing. So, oh, okay, a fant- fantasy picture. I, looking at it, it tells me that the ocean is a part of your life. No, yeah, I love it. Love being near it. Being feeling inspired. Do you like hearing others acting? That you're not alone. Go to joshuaspodak.com/podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable, join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. Speaking of which, fish. Yeah, yeah, you've had this challenge for the past uh, month to, well, we left it Less of a specified goal than I did with most people, but I think you had a pretty clear understanding of what you're going to do. And well, maybe let's can you put it in your words? Yeah, I was being more conscious about that. I thought, well, okay, this is going to be pretty simple. Find out which fish are sustainable, which aren't. Ain't that easy? <laughs> you know, go 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 do a Google search on sustainable fish, not sustainable fish, whether you should eat fish at all. You know, the bottom line from what I what trying to know is it line caught or was it whatever? Or, you know turns out that our fishmonger that we use uh, is, you know, at least according to them, a sustainable fishmonger. In other words, they only use sustainable fish. But when you go look at the list to see how different it is, some, hey, it's fine to eat Atlantic cod as long as it's caught in a certain way. It's not fine to eat Atlantic cod if it's, fa- if it's farmed or whatever. And so how do, you, how do you know any of this? And so if you look at out there, at least at all the web-based data that I could find, it's just, it's actually... It's not so much confusing. It's just that trying to make, trying to be exact about that. The, the one thing that probably has most stood out to me as I was researching this was simply everybody should just eat fewer fish. That fish, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things are, you know, like, like mining. There's only a certain number of them, you know, out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the, the whole fish population on the planet is just diminishing fairly significantly. And so... You know, just eating less fish, <laughs> putting less pressure on uh, you know mining the the fish populations around the world. You know, is you know their ideas. Look, all the stuff you're eating fish for, you can find in other fruits and vegetables and meats and things like that. And if you wanted to do that, and frankly, meats, you know, meat, you know, beef, lamb, poultry, or whatever, they're producing as much of those as you want to eat, just by the nature of the far- of the farm. But fish, they can't do that. Yeah, so it's fish fascinating. Is- when I teach my class on systems thinking, that fish are in principle renewable above a certain threshold. Below that threshold, they can't find each other and they can't mate and have babies. Well, you've also got you know fish farming that's actually creating as much pollution as it's solving. You know, given the fact that yeah. you know the, the, you know what they're trying to do with that and and how they're trying to just sustain those and, and make those as profitable as possible. You know, that doesn't seem to be the solution either. And so, yeah, 
you know, so, so I've just become a good bit more conscious about the fish I'm eating. You know, I was just in Australia for a week and kind of hard to tell, you know, if you're just having to, just having dinner or whatever, what, where something is from or, or whatever. And, the, and most people didn't know, had no, no clue about, no, nobody was advertising themselves as only serving sustainable fish. Yeah, that, that lack of transparency is a big issue that sustained growth for a long time because I think a lot of people don't want to know where stuff comes from, especially if at the other end there's unsustainable practices or labor issues. And I think I see, I haven't studied this, but I think I see a lot of people valuing transparency and com- companies coming up to find out, you know, is a dolphin safe or what are the labor practices or things like that. But it's got a long way to go, I think. Yeah. So my conclusion was kind of hard to make a conclusion, you know, about, about how to do that other than eat less and keep buying from my fishmonger that says their stuff is all you know sustainable in some way and just sort of trust their judgment about that. They're good folks. So that's what I could do. I, and just being more conscious about all of that. So there wasn't any major life change that I, that I went through you know, in the process. Cause as I had mentioned before, we are pretty conscious about most of all this stuff anyway, anything we can do you know, that we can control and have any, you know, ability to you know, put our plastics together and, and, and recycle those and, you know, everything we could do in that regard. And so that's why fishing was sort of, you know, that's something I was somewhat unconscious about. So if nothing else, it made me a lot more conscious about that's, that as a, as a food source. So I was, I make a big deal about distinguishing between consciousness and education and knowledge and, and what goes on inside your head with actual behavior. Did it lead to any change in behavior? Just being more conscious about whether the fish I was eating was on the list or not. So not really a change of behavior so much other than just being, more. I mean, that is a behavior where you're putting your attention, just not, it's a bit more subtle behavior. I'm curious because you concluded to eat, le- you concluded for to eat less fish is helpful. Are you eating less fish? Yes, I am eating less fish. Okay. So it is changing some, leading to yeah, some a little bit. Well, I wasn't I was- eating a whole lot before to begin with, so, but being more conscious of what I'm eating and not if I have a choice between something or the other, and I don't know where the source of the fish is and, or how, how sustainable it might be. And I'll tend to eat something else. And what's the emotional side of that? Are you lamenting that you're missing something that you used to have? No, not at all. No. Are you enjoying something instead? Like, are you enjoying the consciousness? Is that something? Well, sure. And always enjoy doing something that I think is fairly worthwhile, you know, on the planet, at least doing my part in that and not feeling like, hey, I'm, I'm some sort of a numbnut about, you know, about all that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel like you're saying, of course. But to me, something that's been missing from the whole, all of, a lot of environmentalism is the lead. What, to me, the big part of leadership is it's not just getting compliance and telling people what to do, but it's helping. It's, I find that it, it improves my life. There's joy, discovery, growth, meaning, purpose, and value, and things like that. And so, I, however obvious the question may have sounded, I want to bring that out so that people can tell if you make a shift, if you raise your consciousness, it's not going to force you into doing something you don't want to do. Sure. No, I, you know, but, you know, come on, uh, Josh, if you were if you were trying to make a significant change in a significant arena, like the Me Too movement, I mean, come on, a lot of those women really had a lot of guts to step step out and, you know, make an impact. And, you know, that's obviously going to change your life if you step into something, you know, that meaningful, you know, or like Gandhi, you know, that wonderful, you know, you know, story, whether it's a myth or not, it was a good story, you know, that you know, a woman came to him and said, gee, 
you know, can you get my boy from stopping eating sugar, eating too much sugar? And he said, come back in two weeks. She came back in two weeks and he said, well, I'm back in two weeks. And he said, okay, you should stop eating sugar. She said, well, why did you, why didn't you tell him that two weeks ago? He said, because I was eating sugar. <laughs> that kind of event and that kind of stepping up to the, you know, that was nothing that I really did, but I certainly understand if somebody you know, takes on something of significance, makes a significant change, it could certainly uh, galvanize your life. But I've got a pretty galvanized, meaningful life already. So it's not like, wow, I'm missing something, you know, some, some great cause I should step into. And I'm kind of in one, <laughs> you know, I've been in one for 30 years with the work yeah. I do. Well, I mean, well, here's the question I can ask you is, is now that you've raised your consciousness on this and you've changed your behavior at least a little bit on this, are you inclined to do more? Frankly, in, in, in this particular aspect, I, not really, other than just being conscious about any of this kind of stuff. I mean, God, you read, you just see all the stuff about plastic. You know, I'm, I will even take a little plastic strip off of something and put it in our little plastic recycle bag. Uh-huh. You know, so just being becoming a lot more conscious about you know, all that stuff is... You're already there. Where I was already there, but it's just, you know, a little bit of a sensitivity that is added to it, just in terms of, what, well, gee, what difference could I make? You know, sort of one butterfly or whatever, you know, flaps its wings and affects the rest of the planet mm-hmm. some way. So, you know, I'm, a, I'm kind of a believer in that, in all that as well. So, okay, so it sounds like you're already there. I mean, partly for me, another part for, reason for asking is, is that as I, the more that I do, once I've found, at least for myself, that the changes that I make improve my life, then if I do small things, it makes me want to do, if small things bring small reward, I'm experimenting. I'm finding that bigger things are bringing me bigger rewards. So that makes me want to do more. And I think that a lot of people will feel that way, especially uh, among the people who haven't done anything. Yeah, that's probably true. But then again, you know, the, my, the other side of that coin is I've said, you know, small things done consistently in strategic places create major results. So find some small things to start doing and they become consistently part of what you do produces huge results, you know, as opposed to necessarily, you know, one big thing that's going to produce some, you know, some everlasting result. So kind of there's two sides of that coin. Yeah, I feel like what for, I took away from what you said, uh, several things, but one thing is small things people say, oh, it's not worth doing, but the consistency and the doing like small things thought about a lot, I think don't add up to a lot. But small things done, small things done not consistently probably don't add up to much. So small things done consistently, yeah. Yeah, produces huge impact. That's like exercise or, or anything. Do a little bit on a consistent basis, then one day you'll suddenly do twice as many push-ups as you were ever able to do before. You know? And that doesn't come from one day doing twice as many push-ups as you can do. It comes from little things that make a difference. It also works on the negative. Little, small, little negative things you do on a consistent basis produce huge negative results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're making me think about sailing again because I'm, I'm probably going to join the club in New York. This is great about New York. There's like a sailing club. I don't have to buy a boat. I don't have to find someone to skipper me all the time. I can join this thing. And it's when I compare the cost of joining there, it's still kind of high. But compared to a couple of flights, I'm still in the black. You know, I'm still saving money relative and still getting just as much cultural stuff and so forth. Yeah. So back to the fish. Were there any hurdles that were, I mean, it sounds like it was not too big of a deal, but maybe there were hurdles that you didn't well, the, hurdle, the hurdles are just the, un, you know, how little conscious information there is out there that you could trust. Yeah. If you go to the, you know, surf the sites about that, a lot of that's from the UK. 
and you know Marks and Spencer and some other companies, you know, there that they are saying, well, look, if you buy the fish from those folks, they're really doing a really good job about making sure that their stuff is sustainable. So, but other than that, it's almost impossible to find anything that's there's no there's no stamp, there's no stamp of approval called this is a sustainable fishery that you know that. Yeah, and that's everywhere because it's also. I mean, I know that tuna cans will have the dolphin safe thing on it, but who knows? And it's certainly in the interest of the people. There's a lot of, uh, how do I put it? Conflict of interest that people can say stuff is safe when it's not. And it's similar with garments. Do you know if something's made in a factory or in a, uh, a sweatshop? I don't know of any way of finding out. And what are the other areas? I mean, there's lots of other areas where that happens. And to the entrepreneurs out there, if we can solve that problem, could help a lot of people. So I want to wrap up with, I always wrap up with a couple of questions. One of them is, is there anything I didn't think to ask to bring up? And the other is, uh, do you have any message direct to the listeners of, from the experience or otherwise? So, well, I'll start with the latter. Uh, yeah, sure. Just become just more conscious about that. You know, uh, more conscious about any of this stuff that might, that anything you're doing might have an impact on that. I think that's highly, you know, useful and a, you know, good way, to, good way to spend your time. You know, so anything you can do to research or find something, especially if it's something that you're involved in on a daily basis, like eating <laughs> or, or using plastic, you know, those are kinds of things that people, I think, can and I don't know, I hate to use the word should, but probably should have. They have an opportunity, I think, to to say, hey, you know, I'm doing my I'm doing my part, you know, as a as a participant on the planet you know, to whatever I can control and whatever's in my ecosystem that I might be able to affect or change. I think that's a great thing to do. I mean, there are worse ways to spend your time. So. Yeah. You're describing it as an opportunity, as an opportunity, which reminds me when I uh, interviewed Frances Hesselbein in her office, she'd had notes, you know, I told her about the podcast and her assistant helped her and prepared all the stuff. And she crossed off. I asked people if they want to take on a challenge and she crossed off challenge and wrote opportunity and I haven't yet incorporated that into how I do the interviews, but I, because I also like the idea of a challenge, but I think for other, a lot of other people, it's an opportunity to live by your values. Yeah. And anything you haven't, no, nothing. I can't think of anything you haven't asked me, but I should be asked. Okay. So then, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. I'm glad that you went through it and I'm glad to hear that, that, uh, well, I am glad to hear that you, it sounds like it, you had a benefit from this, that you liked it and yeah, no, no. And the, the, it, it's, it's, a, it's a sustainable thing for me to be aware of sustainability now. So, Well, thank you very much. A permanent imprint, for sure. It was a simple change, not a whole lot. Didn't take a whole lot of resources, didn't take a whole lot of time. But I read that it improved his life, that he found his life more rewarding with this increased consciousness and it changed behavior that I read as improving his life that he liked. So whether you haven't done anything, you've done a lot. There's stuff that can be done. And yes, it changes the world, but it also changes yourself. And I hope that my takeaway is there's always things that you can do that you can enjoy and bring you value and discovery and things like that or whatever you enjoy while making that difference that you want to make for others. And also, I I can't help but comment on my part of things is that the sailing stuff is really picking up as something that I think is going to be a really great part of my life. I thank David for being part of the impetus to accelerate it and also to demonstrate this is what happens when you live by your values. You will talk to people about stuff that are valuable to you and they will become friends. They'll become people that you hang out with and do things with. 
because we're social creatures and you can take for granted that if you value something, many others will too. And, you know, I expect to see David Allen in Europe sometime by taking a sailboat over there. If you do your changes in your life by what you value, maybe selling's it, I don't know. But if whatever it is, you will find that as you do more of these things by your values, you will develop community and in the case of me, adventure and discovery and cultural change and things like that. But for you, it'll be what you value, which may or may not be selling, but it'll be what's valuable to you. And that means improving your life. It may not happen right away, but if you do consistently, it will happen. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference, and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.